0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's episode is about a change to the accounting rules that will affect most commercial landlords. If you're a property owner where your commercial tenants sign multi-year leases, you need to pay close attention. But first, I'd like to invite you to meet me in person at the upcoming Investor Summit at Sea. This 10-day conference is like no other. Nowhere else can you spend time in an intimate setting with over 200 of the best and brightest in the world of economics, finance, and real estate investment. Coming up, from March 14th to 24th, departing from Fort Lauderdale on the beautiful celebrity silhouette. I consider these 10 days a must-attend event, and I make sure to carve out the time every year. To find out more, go to victorjm.com events. That's victorjm.com events, and I will see you on the Investor Summit at Sea. We are back. On today's show, we're talking about a new rule under the generally accepted accounting principles that could profoundly change the way commercial real estate leases are written in the future. If you're a property owner where your commercial tenants sign multi-year leases, you got to pay close attention. There's a new rule under GAAP that requires companies to disclose long-term lease obligations on their financial statements. These changes under ASU 2016-02 are expected to add more than $1.2 trillion in off-balance sheet leases to public companies' balance sheets. Under the current practice, lease obligations for real estate have no balance sheet impact because they're accounted for as operating expenses and their payments are included in the entity's income statement as either rent expense and they're disclosed in the notes. But for all leases with terms of more than 12 months, the new standard requires a right to use asset to be added to the asset section of the balance sheet and the present value of the related lease obligation to be included as a liability. So let's look at an example. Let's say you just signed a 10 year lease with lease payments of 100,000 a month, of which there are, let's say, nine years remaining on the lease. You would be required to add an asset on your balance sheet in the value of nine times 1.2 million or 10.8 million in total, on your balance sheet, so you've now got an asset of 10.8 million, and you'd also have to add a liability to the balance sheet in the amount of 10.8 million. Next month, when you pay your rent, that liability would be reduced down to 10.7 million, then 10.6 million, and so on, as you draw down the residual balance on the lease. Now, you might argue there's no real change since you're adding an asset and a liability to the balance sheet and they fully offset each other. However, not everybody looks at liabilities the same way. These changes could make your tenants appear significantly more leveraged and cause unprepared companies to violate their loan covenants. Remember, just because the generally accepted accounting principles of change doesn't mean that banks and lenders are going to change their underwriting rules to accommodate the changes in GAAP. Many bank underwriting rules compare the loan amount to the total liabilities, and if these long-term liabilities now appear on the company's balance sheet, it can change the way a bank looks at a borrower that's gonna be a big deal for your tenants. Now this is where it gets a little bit complicated. There's different rules depending on whether we're talking about capital leases or operating leases. Capital leases are for things like vehicles and equipment. We're not gonna deal with those here. Definitely you wanna talk to your accountant. Operating leases are for things like office space, and you're gonna be required on a generally a straight line basis to account for the residual value of the lease on the balance sheet. With the new rules, there's a bunch of transactions that are definitely in the gray zone. Some long term leasing arrangements, which include service contracts and contracts with third parties, may be tough for companies to identify and really assess who's in control of the lease. The whole idea is to make things clearer, but frankly, I'm not sure the new rules achieve the objective. Maybe 10 years from now, the business world and the banking community will like the new rules, but right now, prepare for a lot of confusion and possible changes as tenants push back on signing long term leases. I can foresee tenants demanding leases to be increasingly short-term in order to eliminate the requirement to put leases on the balance sheet. I understand where the accountants are coming from, but if you follow this line of reasoning, every contingent liability the company could have should appear on the balance sheet. If you negotiate a multi-year supply agreement in order to get better pricing on a product, under traditional rules, these items would not appear on your balance sheet until the goods actually appear in your inventory but they are a contingent liability since you've committed to purchase them at some point in the future. Are you going to be required to put inventory that you haven't purchased yet on your balance sheet too? Where does it end? As you're thinking about that, have a close conversation with your accountant. Go make some great things happen. and We'll talk to you again tomorrow.